Hello and welcome to Impulse Chats. I have Erin Kiner joining me today. She is a globally recognized transformational leader, uh, a teacher, a healer, a yogi and a coach. And we're going to be discussing epigenetics, sexuality and so much more. If we haven't connected before, my name is Sarah Barnes and you can find me on Instagram at impulseyoga underscore. This recording is going to be going out on my YouTube channel, on iTunes and Spotify if you search Impulse Chats with Sarah Barnes and of course also on Instagram TV in parts. And please don't forget to subscribe and share and leave a comment if you like what you see. Um, so let's not waste any time. Erin, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Angel. So honored to be invited. My pleasure. Um, so yeah, can you please share a bit of information with us about your background, your journey and how and why you came to working in your field? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's probably, and this is true for me and true for everyone, that these there's clues to our purpose in our childhood. If we look back at who we were when we were young and not yet impressed by the world as to what we should do and what our family has always done and starting to receive all these messages, we can actually see these little clues to our true self that were evident before the world told us what we should be. And so when I was a child, I wanted to be a nun and the woman on Wheel of Fortune who spun the letters around. (laughs) I'm born into a family of three generations of scientists and three generations of atheists and God is a bad word and somehow little old Aaron little young Erin wanted to get dressed up like a nun and beg people to take me to Sunday school. (laughs) Well, and even the wheel of fortune thing, like my family is not vain in the slightest. They don't want attention on themselves. And I just wanted to be a star and I wanted to be on stage. So it's this little, what is that word? Anonymously. Anonymously. Anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little anomaly in my family. And so, of course, then you start to pick up conditioning from society and you start to pick up conditioning and expectations from your family and from school and what it means to be an intelligent person and what it means to be from a family of scientists. And so I would say I was really quite far from knowing who I really was. And obviously, you're expected to know what you want to do with your life, even from high school. You know, like you have to choose subjects in senior years of high school based on what you want to do at university. That's a lot of pressure to put on a teenage child, and especially a teenage child that hasn't been encouraged to be their true self or to really follow those impulses, I'll call them, of our true nature. So I finished school. I actually went to university and studied computer science, which I'm not here to be a coder. I do love technology, but I'm absolutely not here to be a computer coder. (laughs) But I was lost and I was seeking. And so I then started studying acupuncture and naturopathy and there was this part of me that helped people always that wanted to take care of people, but I couldn't feel what that was. So shortly after high school, I started getting into drugs. couldn't hold down a job. And I see that as a necessary detour on the path. In fact, I see it as part of the path we all have to go through darkness at times and we have to go through adversity. It's strengthening of the character. It's showing us our resilience. It's helping us discover what we're not in order to discover who we are. So I'm taking this detour through life of going into the darkness and experiencing a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And then I also find the strength to get myself out of there. So at around 24, I became a flight attendant and that was the coolest freaking thing ever. It gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me a sense of belonging. It allowed me to be exceptionally good at my job and well-respected and I loved flying. It gave me a sense of freedom. Uh, And it was through flying that I met my first life coach. And she and I were flying. We were both operating the aircraft, going to Barbados, and we were operating the L4 and L5 doors down the back of the Boeing. So basically you're just standing there waiting for hundreds of passengers to board the aircraft. And I said, oh, what did you do before Virgin? And she said, oh, I was studying life coaching. And this bell inside me was like, ding, 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 ding. That's for you. And I was like, oh, well, I want that. (laughs) I don't know what that is, but I want that. And she's like, well, I would love to gift this to you. And I said, no, I'm happy to pay. And she's like, no, I want to gift it to you. So she gave me three months of life coaching. And those three months absolutely transformed my life in a way that I didn't even realize was possible. It was the first time someone showed me that my beliefs were not real. 
And that what my brain is telling me, like I came from an academic family that is praised for our intelligence. It's like, are you telling me my brain could be wrong? And this belief that I have that I'm too fat, that like that was the belief that she actually started cracking open. And I felt like the foundations of me start to rumble. And I'm like, oh my God, if my brain is lying to me, what else is not real? And that's a scary freaking place to lose touch with the reality that you've known. And of course, that's an awakening. We're moving into a higher level of truth and a greater understanding. But when that, when the walls start crumbling the first time, it's scary as hell. So yeah, she was the one who helped me see like, wow, maybe there's another way of thinking about myself and another belief that I could have. So after that, I thought, okay, I want to study that thing. And mainly I wanted to study it to apply it to myself because I still felt so unworthy of being a coach. And I thought I'd fucked up my life too bad. I was unforgivable. I made too many mistakes. Who would ever want me as a life coach? But through going through the course and I did an exceptionally, I loved the course that I did with Coach U. It's based in America. It's very, very old. They've never advertised. They've existed solely on referral, which tells you how good they are. 30 years old this school is and they've, well, maybe 40 years now and they've existed solely on referral. So such good core coaching skills through that I realized holy crap those things that I thought would stop me from being a good coach are the very things that would make me an excellent coach because I have turned my life around and I have been through the darkness and I have there's nothing anyone can say to me that shocks me there's nothing that anyone says to me that I cannot love and accept you for like I've been there I've done it and I know what's on the other side I know what's possible So that's how I became a coach. And it was through then as my life now is very dictated by spirit, you know, this guidance rules my life and leads me in the most miraculous ways. I got pushed out of virgin, even though I was scared and I didn't want to leave this secure job. And I, I had so much fear. I just got booted out when the time is right. These sequence of events that led me to resigning. And then I had another part-time job while I'm trying to build my business. And again, a series of events, boom, 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 boom. I get booted out of there. And then, ah, before I know it, I'm working as a full-time life coach and having incredible success. It was back in 2011, I think. So it was really the beginning of the movement of coaching in Australia. Most people I told I'm a life coach had never heard of it either. So it put me in a very, very good position, which at first I was like, ah, no one's heard of life coaching. How am I going to get any clients? And then my best friend said, Erin, that is an untapped market. That is amazing. And again, when you shift your perspective like that, Uh, So I had incredible success. I felt like I was riding this wave and amazing opportunities landed on my lap and I became a Lululemon ambassador and I'm teaching yoga and meditation at the Australian Yoga Academy and I'm getting invited to speak at places and like my meditations are on Virgin Australia Airlines and then Baker's Delight Bakery chain invited me to make them custom meditations and, you know, just stuff that you couldn't create. I couldn't go out and make that happen and it was all happening to me in these beautiful ways. So at that point, I thought I was teaching manifestation and I thought, what's the next thing I can teach? What is the next key that I use that I could then teach to empower others? And I was like, oh, it's about energy. It's about energy work. And that's what got me back to do my Reiki certificates again. So the first time I did Reiki was the year 2000. And then I went back and I started to really focus on being a healer. I had a lot of resistance to that word healer about the identity and the weight and the gravity that carries. And, but yeah, that basically put me on the path then to start unlocking the gifts that I have to heal and healing takes so many forms. You know, this conversation is healing. There are people that will listen to this and receive healing as a result of feeling heard or understood or getting the next key that they need to unlock their consciousness, or it will just be an energetic transfer that they don't know is happening, but healing takes all forms and, I finally got to a place where I accepted that I'm a healer. (laughs) I embraced the part of me that I was rejecting, which seems to be my entire life journey as well. And here I am. Now I just do whatever spirit asks me every day and get incredibly miraculous results. (laughs) So I have to ask you because um, this is how I found out about you. Um, uh, Epigenetics. What is Mm. epigenetics? How do you use it in the work that you do? And uh, why is it so um, beneficial? And and why can the health in the holistic and wellness sector really benefit from getting their teeth into this? Yeah, so epigenetics comes from the Latin word epi, which means upon, and genetics, which is our genes. 
So it's really the study of how our environment impacts our genetic expression. And I learned about epigenetics from my mentor and I traveled the world with him for two years and uh, taught his content and ran his retreat. So I feel like I've got a very, very privileged opportunity of having a very deep lived experience of understanding epigenetics. And so he created a platform called PH360 and it is a incredibly high level, unbelievable amount of information that has been summarized for the user by just being able to create a personal profile and through profiling our body and looking at different, very specific ratios and different ways that our body is currently expressing, it's able to create you an epigenetic profile, which tells you who you are, what your genetics are here to express. And so through that, we profile people into six very basic types. So we're using mesomorphs, ectomorphs and endomorphs, and then the blend of those three. And we would place those six types on a 360 degree wheel. So we have 60 degrees of variation between each type. And that is a very low level two dimensional model of the incredible complexity of what it means to be a human being. And the fact that you have never existed before and I have never existed before and will never be seen again. So at the highest level of understanding, we recognize that what you need for your greatest health and your greatest expression is extremely different from me. So we help people. We, yes, we give them a very basic level, uh, label so that they can conceptualize this information. But essentially what we're doing is we're empowering people that you are a unique individual. So you don't have to follow the trend and you don't have to listen to what everyone else is telling you is right. Your job is to understand who you are and then learn to love and to trust and provide for yourself and that uniqueness and then share who you are with the world. So I've taken all of this knowledge and I have a very spiritual view of it because that's who I am at my core. And it's everything in this platform is backed by science, which is amazing. Everything is validated by science and it's got ancient sciences in there like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, but it goes all the way up to the most modern science that we have. And then it compiles those layers and it has a look at what are the correlations between them. And then from that, how, do we guide you how to live? So we look at six different areas of life being how we eat, how we exercise, how we socialize, our physical environment, how we use our mind and what our unique gifts are. So if you had a look at something like a diet culture, like veganism, if we basically went out there and told the whole world to be vegan, not everyone's going to thrive. There's going to be body types that might thrive with that diet and there'll be body types that struggle. There'll be certain climates that thrive with that diet and there'll be certain climates in which you struggle. There'll be certain age demographics that might accept it and that might struggle. So there's so many layers. It's the intersection of so many things. So how can we be going out there in the world and saying everyone should be vegan, everyone should be paleo, everyone should do high-intensity workouts? It's like we have this beautiful spectrum of human beings here on the planet at this time. We're meant to have diversity. Look at diversity in nature. We understand the importance of diversity in nature. But yet somehow, somewhere along the line, humans said we should all look like this one body type. We're going to glorify this one body type. And if you don't look like that, we're going to shame your body. We're going to tell you that you're fat or that you're lazy or that you're short or you're whatever. We just want this one. But humanity wouldn't survive. Humanity would not survive with one body type because you don't bring enough gifts so when I think about it from the spiritual perspective, I think about the fact that we are a spirit that's using this body to be expressed here on earth in this incarnation. And so our spirit knows why we came here. There was a purpose and a mission for our soul. And it chose the body that has all the inherent gifts that it needs, like a toolkit, to go and complete its mission. So if you knew your mission here was to build a house, you're going to get a toolkit of all the carpenter's tools that you need to go and build that house. So our body is essentially the same. It is the answer to our purpose. If you understand this vessel and you understand the inherent gifts that come effortlessly to you without thinking, then you understand that's actually what I'm here to do. So look at me. I've, you've probably said five words and I've been talking nonstop for like 17 minutes. <laughs> talking is a superpower of mine. Talking came effortlessly. Interestingly, I didn't talk for the first two and a half years of my life. That's another anomaly. Really? <laughs> but when I started talking... <laughs> I couldn't stop, but I was also criticized for that. Erin's a chatterbox. Erin needs to stop talking. Erin 
I had a t-shirt that my parents bought me that said, they taught me to walk and talk. And now all they do is tell me to sit down and shut up, <laughs> which is a little bit cruel because it was the truth. It was like, Aaron, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. However, if my parents had understood epigenetics and if they'd understood that the things we're expressing as, as children are our inherent gifts, then I could have been supported for my talking. I could have been encouraged. And now look at how I use my voice. I heal people with my voice. The conversation that we're having today has power in it. It's got energy in it. It's got truth in it. And people will have a physical, a visceral, a mental and emotional reaction to talking. It's amazing. My meditations, my healings, like my voice is such a big part of what I'm here to do, but that was misunderstood when I was a child. And so what did I do? I went and studied computer science and I went and told myself I had to have these jobs because that's what my family does. But that's not what this vessel came for. That's not what these genetics are designed for. I meant to personally have a very slow paced and peaceful life. I'm not meant to hustle. I'm not meant to be super powerful entrepreneurial. I'm meant to be very nurturing and very peaceful. And I'm meant to communicate and heal people. So it was quite a journey you know, to come to know myself. But that knowledge of PH360 was the, the key piece that made me understand this is exactly who I am. And I've always known it. I've always had that feeling. When I give this knowledge to others or I profile them slightly or I tell them a little bit about themselves, every single person says, that's me. Like they, they know there's truth in it because like for our beautiful mesomorph friends, they've been interrupting everyone their whole lives because they're just these little bundles of joy and they get these big downloads and it comes suddenly. And if they don't express it, it's gone. There's no re retention in their mind. So they have this great idea and they go to interrupt and the world says, don't talk, wait your turn, sit down and be peaceful. And they go, oh, and they're again, they're being conditioned away from their true nature because we have etiquette and we have societal standards that says, don't be rude and don't interrupt. But every time I have a mesomorph friend, I'm like, no, no, share, share, share. Don't ever worry about me talking. Like if you've got something to say, please say it. Like it's really important. The world needs to hear what you have to say. And they're like, oh my God, like I'm getting goosebumps. As I say, it's so powerful to just like be validated of like, that is who I am. And I've been fighting against that for so long. The world has told me that it's not okay to be that. The world has told me it's not okay to be lazy or slow paced the world has probably told you that it's not okay to be introverted, that it's not okay to be very driven and, you know, like has shamed you for perhaps wanting to stay at home and edit a podcast episode and get that out online rather than go to a loud party where there's all these new people in craziness. Yes. You say yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. <laughs> As like every ectomorph, you guys are so sensitive and I can see it just by looking at you. It's evident immediately that you're an ectomorph. So I would know if you're my friend, it's not personal if you don't want to hang out. It's no sign that you don't love me if you'd rather be alone. It's no sign that my friendship's not important to you because you want to work for 10 hours today. It's actually <laughs> incredibly healthy. Mm. You should be working that much. You should be getting the dopamine hit. You should be applying yourself in that way because that's what your vessel was designed for. And guess what I'll do? I'll probably make us some delicious lunch or tidy up around the house so that you can just be mission focused and like pummel away at what you're doing. And you stick in your lane and I stick in my lane. And then our little mesomorph friends come and bring their joy and light and humor and creative visionary. Blah, 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 and we all have a part to play. And we make up like when I look inside a clock and I see all those beautiful cogs turning in a way that you couldn't imagine. And every cog is perfect and every cog has its place. That's like us. That's the beauty of nature. Nature has all of the answers for us. We've just forgotten that we're a part of nature. We've I love conditioned to I love, Sorry, I, I love what you're saying because when, when, when I first listened to the conversation that, that, that you had, which led me to contact you, what I found really powerful was listening to your description of people who aren't like me. And I started mm. identifying, okay, this is my best friend. And yeah. I realized that I was placing probably cultures or, or us or, or our society's expectations on her by saying, you're interrupting me a bit here instead of going, just go, just like flow. Yes. Something amazing always comes out of it. And she is a, like this pocket rocket, this incredible yes. genius and an insane businesswoman, like a, like a tiny little fire powered. Yes. Um, yes. Like ideas rock. machine. <laughs> yeah. But it's almost like not only are we getting these things placed upon ourselves, but, and I see this in myself, you know, we, we parrot 
not our truth and what we believe and what we sense, but we power up what, what we've been taught. And even mm -hmm. I have, you know, you have these situations in partnerships, in, in, in relationships. There's this big thing now, and I feel it more in the UK than back in Bali, where men and women should be equal. And I, I completely agree with feminism and equality, but I also believe that my hormones are not exactly like his hormones and my mm -hmm. body and my needs mm -hmm. aren't the same as his the same as my body and my needs aren't the same as my my you know best girlfriends mm -hmm. and then to have that being kind of fed into you like no you should be you know in the city working no you should be doing this and it's like everything that you you learn that isn't you all of a sudden you get thrown back at you especially mm -hmm. as you get around the age when you're thinking about having kids and mm -hmm. it's just um I think it would be for me I, I wish that stuff like this was taught in schools and Ayurveda you know um epigenetics because I think if if we had this education then uh, not only for the teachers but for the school kids too so we can kind of understand each other a yes. bit more Yes, exactly. And we would teach children in very different ways. So PH360 does have an education program that they're rolling out in schools in Australia where it's personalised education. So our little mesomorph friends who need a lot of external stimulation to power up their brain, they need the colours and the bright lights and the movement and the stimulation is the opposite of what you need, which is like my brain's so high-powered and running through so many processes at once, please no more information coming in. So you in an academic environment would thrive to sit in a quiet environment, to focus on the teacher, to have that information come in. And that's the complete opposite of what a mesomorph needs. But those poor little mesomorph kids grow up with beliefs that they're dumb, that they're stupid, that there's something wrong with them. They're getting all distracting and creating a fuss because their brains are like, please give me energy. So what we do is actually split classrooms up and, and educate people in different ways because mesomorphs are so in their body they would do really well in like boot camp style environments where it's go out and smash your body, like create all these amazing physical feats, like climb and, and the obstacle courses and then sit down and focus for 15 minutes and then go again. So when we look at the Balinese people that culturally they're very mesomorphic, a mesomorph and endomorph blend. So they're small little people and they can get, carry weight and be little, little apples or pear shaped kind of faces and bodies. And their brains are very present moment and very abstract thinking. So they don't follow a sequence. It's not logical. It's not analytical, but it's extremely creative and extremely colorful and extremely practical. And I was, it's kite season at the moment. I was down on the beach walking the other day. And, you know, some of those kites are like four meters long by five meters high. And there's like five or six kids holding the string all the way along. And everyone's coordinating this lift off of a kite. And I thought, there's not an Indonesian kid here on this beach that could tell you a single thing about aerodynamics. And you could not teach these kids aerodynamics, but you want to see them get that giant thing in the air. They know it. They know it in their bodies and they know it practically. And I'm getting such goosebumps as I say that they, they just know it's a knowing that's in their body. But if you put them in an academic environment and say, okay, let's go through the ABC sequential logical information of how to lift a kite, they'll all fail their exams but you let them be practical about it. There's actually an Indonesian dialect where the word for teach literally translates to she watches my hand. Wow, that's beautiful. Isn't it? You see them with their handicrafts. You see the way that they make their offerings. You, they, they're so in their bodies and they're so practical. And it's so easy to judge that as an academic style body type like you or I and you know, I see a lot of ectomorphs come over and run business here, which is beneficial because the ectomorphs have this future-oriented consciousness. So they think and strategize really well for the future, brilliant business minds. So they bring that over here as expats and they start a business, but they come head-to-head -head with the local people. They get so frustrated at what appears to be a big gap in intelligence, but it's not. It's a misunderstanding. And if we could recognize, wow, that's their strengths, that's what they're here to do, and that's how they learn, then I can take my knowledge and I can translate it so that we have that middle ground. And I'm delivering to you what, what I'm delivering to you the information in the way that you need to receive it. It's not a lack of intelligence. It's a lack of understanding of our differences. So yes, the differences of ourself and how that applies to everyone else in our life. 
That is so spot on. For me, I actually experienced that firsthand myself and I actually had a nervous breakdown from mm. exactly what you said that way of me bringing my academic in my own head future thinking businessness and trying to force it on people who don't think that way and it took yeah. me about you know half a year to realize no you have to you're you're not here to force the way that you work on other people you're here to observe how other people work be respectful and then follow how they work and nourish them and do it that way. But it's, it's, and I think what you're saying, you know, again, if people got this, this type of education, when they were looking at opening businesses and in the workplace and, you know, if you have that kind of education to someone who is new in a business and they're coming in as a manager explaining, okay, well, you know, here are how you respond to, you know, here is how you do leadership. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's so, it could be so beneficial because unfortunately we have to learn these things as we go and and we make so many mistakes, but there is this, there is this information out there. Um, Absolutely. And so what I'd love to say in response to that is that business does know this to a certain degree, that people have strengths and we want to place people according to their strengths. But most of those strengths indicators and the Myers-Briggs type indicator and all of these kind of assessments to get to know ourselves are often our own opinion of ourselves. It's what we think that we are. Epigenetics is not what you think that you are. It's what your genes say you are. And there are so many people that I've led them through their personalized profile and they're like, that's not me. That's not me. Nope, 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 nope. It's like, well, actually it is you. But you've been so conditioned into something else that you're either expressing yourself differently or you're forcing yourself to be something that you're not and you're resisting it because for whatever. So let me, a perfect example is that my genius section said that I excel at administration and there was nothing in there about being a leader. And I was so triggered. I was like, I'm not here to be an administrator. I'm not here to work at reception of something like I look at who I am. I'm here to be a leader. I'm here to teach. I'm here to invite lots and lots of people on this mission. How on earth can it say that I'm here to excel at administrative, administrative, repetitive, administrative tasks, (laughs) trigger central because of my conditioning. I was like, why don't I want to accept that? And I sat with myself and I'm like, because I would feel insignificant and I'd feel unimportant. So because I've got those belief systems inside of me that I feel that I need significance and I need importance, then how I was expressing myself was a reflection of my belief systems rather than what my genetics was actually saying. But the crazy thing is that this platform, PH360, recognized that I was not in alignment. I was 17 kilos heavier than what I am now. My hormones were out of balance. I was extremely stressed, which is terrible for my body type. And so actually when I started doing what the profile told me to do and coming back to basic repetitive tasks, things that were very simple for me to execute and things that were very simple for me to excel at, my body shifted and changed so quickly. Quickly, I effortlessly lost 17 kilos without focusing on my weight. It wasn't even a factor for me at that time. And I'd been battling my weight my whole life, like trying to be something that I'm not. My hormones change my stress levels change. I go back into the system and lo and behold, what does it say? That I'm a fucking leader. The system recognized this organism is out of balance. She's not in a position to hold the energy that it takes to be a leader. So when she's out of balance, she needs this particular strategy and let's make it simple. Let's reduce the stress. Let's take the responsibility off of her. And when I started hearing to the profile, the profile shifts and changes and evolves as you do. And then it got me to the point where it said, I'll persevere to achieve at all costs. And I'm like, mm. I'm back. <laughs> That's the Erin that we know and love. <laughs> so yeah, what we think of ourselves is often very, very, very different from what we actually are. So that's why I love this as a tool because it, it, it covers every single area of life. I've never found a body of knowledge that conflicts what PH360 says. It accepts every single methodology, protocol, diet, exercise routine. Like it's all in there. It doesn't say anything is wrong, but it says this is what's suitable for you 
at this time. So veganism might not be right for you, but the platform doesn't say veganism is wrong. It will say to certain body types that this really suits your body at this moment in time, at this location on the planet, when your genes are expressing this way, and then as your genes start to express, who knows what it might recommend. I'd been vegetarian for 10 years, and, the, and I think I'd just let a bit of fish in my diet. I did my first personalized detox with PH360, so a suitable detox for my body type. I lost eight kilos in two weeks, again, without trying. My body just thrived at letting go of the toxicity, which is a big problem for my body type. And then it said, even though you choose to be pescatarian, there are amino acids and minerals that are very important for you at this time that are best found in meat. So I was like, oh, but I'm a vegetarian. Here's my mind again. Here's my conditioning, my identity. I'm a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian. It means I'm a good person. I'm a vegetarian. It means I'm a spiritual person. And the platforms asked me to eat meat. And I was so triggered and I didn't want to do it. And so I had to sit with it and say, why, Erin? What's underneath that? What decision did you make 10 years ago and why did you think that that was right? And why do you think that that's right now? And really I was vegetarian for ethical reasons and it's beautiful to have ethics. But what this platform was telling me was like, your body is in need at this time of these particular things. And yes, you can source it from a vegetarian or pescatarian diet. However, the best source of these specific minerals and amino acids are found in meat. So I decided it took me weeks to sit with it, which is, again, very common for my body type to be slow at decision-making and want to ruminate on all the information. And I got to the point and I was like, do you trust this platform, Erin? Do you teach this to the world? Do you think that you can make a better choice for your body than the amount of knowledge that's gone into this? It took 10 years to write the algorithm for this. It's got more data and data points and information in there than what one human mind can possibly hold. Why do you think that you know best? I was like, okay, I'm going to trust it. If I believe in this path, I'm going to trust it. And so I chose, okay, I will eat a small amount of meat, ethically sourced meat in this very specific circumstance. And I ate the meat. I remember the day that I put, it was turkey on Thanksgiving that my friend had lovingly made. And I put it in my mouth and I was like, that was so fine. That was just another mouthful of food. But for the last 10 years, I had this big, guilty, judgmental voice in my head that would have, like, "Ah," I wouldn't have wanted the meat in my mouth. I would have had a story about the texture and the fact that it's flesh and all of these other things, which are mental thoughts. I had no idea what was best for my body. I was not in tune to what my body needed at all because these messages in my mind were so strong as to what I should do. Shoulds are always other people's expectation of us. I should be vegetarian. I should because I'm spiritual. I shouldn't drink alcohol, blah, blah, blah. So actually now I do have meat in my diet and I feel fantastic and I feel strong and I feel, I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life from this body of knowledge because it's given me freedom from those expectations I place on myself. I do not have to do hit classes. I do not have to do early morning boot camps. I do not have to run. It's like I can move slowly. I can do yoga. I can lift heavy weights and I feel freaking fantastic. I feel the opposite of what I felt when I got up at six in the morning to do a boot camp like our body knows our body does actually know it's just about giving our mind the right information to free ourselves from those expectations so interesting what you said about alcohol too and all of the shoulds and the connotations and it's so loaded the whole subject and the whole even the word alcohol for so especially I think women because we do go through a lot of experiences with alcohol and maybe drinking too much and various things happening and shaming and things like that. And, you know, me personally, I've, I will go sometimes six months without drinking. And then sometimes I'll have a week where I drink a little bit. And I used to be able to drink loads. Whereas now I have any more than two drinks and I'm like tapping out. And then, (laughs) and I, but I, but I think it is, it's, it's also because I associate it with so much shame and Mm. guilt and, and also I link it to like lots of issues that have come up like sexually as well. And I think that kind of leads me on to my next, my next Mm. question quite, quite well, because um, you work a lot with sexuality and pleasure and intimacy. So let's talk about that, about, you know, the female shaming and repression and why, why were you personally drawn to shine a light on this? What do you think is going on in our society and culture at the moment that leads to so much misunderstanding? Mm, lots of questions in there that are all good. <laughs> 
but why was I called to do this? I wasn't. Yeah. I was kicking and screaming and resisting and sticking my heels in and saying, no way, no way, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I remember being in my very early 20s and my ex-partner said to me, I think that you're here to help people with their sexual trauma like you've helped yourself. And I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> so for nearly 20 years, that was 18 years ago, I'm 38 now, people have seen it in me. The people closest to me have always said, I think you're here to help people with their sexuality. And I was like, uh-uh. Resistance, resistance, resistance. And this is the case with many things in my life. <laughs> but spirit's got another plan and spirit drags me into these things. So these beautiful sequences would happen in my life of event after event after event that would unlock something for me. And I am very aware that my path is my purpose. And that's not the case for everyone. People sometimes have to separate their spirituality as their own personal experience and their purpose is completely unrelated. But I feel very blessed that for me, I just focus on my spirituality. I focus on my personal evolution and development. And that's what I'm here to do is to teach that and to share that. And the more I focus on my own personal path, the more potential and possibility opens up for me. So it was really about my own sexual awakening that was happening. And then the way that everyone started awakening around me without me choosing it and like, even my coaches and my healers having their own awakenings because of me talking and sharing and the energy that I was holding and my friends and then my friends, partners and like, da, 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 da. and I was like, Oh my God. And I sat down and wrote the outline for an ebook. I thought, Oh, I'll take these amazing experiences I'm having with my lover and I'll write an ebook. And so I wrote five chapter outlines. And then by the end of that, I got so aroused. I was like, Oh, I have to go pleasure myself now. So I never finished. I never wrote any content. I just put the five chapters down. And then that day I heard from my healer who's very, very connected and very psychic. And she said, Erin, you're meant to teach a sexuality course. And I said, oh, that's really funny that you say that because I just sat down and wrote an ebook. And she's like, uh-uh, this is not an ebook. She's like, it's much, much bigger than that. It's a course. And I was like, oh my God. And it's like, it's coming through me. I'm being chosen by spirit to be the one to bring this through. And I'm terrified. <laughs> I didn't choose it. Ah, it's happening to me. But there's such a deep knowing that, yes, I'm chosen. Yes, I'm the one. Yes, every experience that I've had up until my life right now has been preparing me for this part of my journey. And I received some negative criticism online for the first time ever. And that is part of my persona and my defense mechanism of being a nice and kind person. You know, as a result of being abused in my life, I tried to be as loving as possible in order to earn love in order to a not be like my abuser, but to be, to keep myself safe by having people love me and approve of me and allowing me to belong. So that coupled with the fact that I'm a very diplomatic communicator, that's part of my epigenetics. I know how to say things in a way that doesn't trigger people. So that's what I've been doing. It's a gift, you know, navigate people's triggers, deliver the information in a way that doesn't cause them to get upset. But actually, that's also part of my persona of like, have people like you. So now I'm stepping out in the world in a way more visible way, in a way more powerful way. And that is triggering as fuck. Yes, some people are triggered into having an awakening. And some of my friends are triggered into having more orgasms than they've ever had in their entire life. And some people are triggered into stepping into new sexual expressions I'd never thought of. And other people are triggered in a way that they want to shut me down and stop me from doing what I'm doing. So I received this attack online and it just like hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was completely disarmed. I wasn't prepared. It wasn't a moment in time where I thought that could even happen. And I really had to get clear. Like, are you, I was praying and saying, I'm not strong enough for this. I'm so sensitive. I can feel the energy in this person's message for me. I'm not, I'm too sensitive to do this work. And spirit kept saying, you were born for this. You're strong enough. It's you, Erin, for lifetimes. It's you. I was like, oh, please, no. <laughs> like, just let me go back into my nice girl hole where everyone likes me and I'm not triggering people and I'm not receiving attacks. And Spirit said, well, this is your work to do. This is your healing and you're being shown the next layer of who you are. Can you love yourself enough that you don't need to win people's approval anymore? Can you love yourself enough that you don't always have to try and do the right thing? And I thought, this is the fucking work. This is what I'm empowering women with. If I'm empowering you to step into your sexuality and not keep yourself small anymore 
and to not wear these layers of shame that society gives us and to not have to modify who you are for approval, then how can I not stand up here and say, I can handle it, attack me, like throw all you want at me, it's not going to hurt. That's my job to get to that place where I've cleared all of the unworthiness inside of me and all of the fear that would make me want to stay small. But there is such a power in women's sexuality. And what my partner said to me this week, which I thought was interesting, we were talking about men awakening. And if you had a group of men in a room and you said, do you guys know that you can have the best orgasm of your life if you let your partner penetrate your anus digitally? How many of those men would be like, oh, no, no. Most of them, they just, no, not interested. If you put a group of women in the room and you say, you can have the best orgasm of your entire life. You just need to allow your partner to do this. How many of those women would go, hmm, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Women want to awaken. Women know this power is latent inside of us on some level just like as we're children we know our purpose or we're expressing our purpose as women we know we're powerful sexually as women we know we're here to experience pleasure and when someone offers us a little glimpse into a new way we're all just like "Hmm, tell me more most of us some are like shut up Erin attack attack and some run away but majority of them will lean in and at least listen a little bit more so if if you, if you understand that women have this ability to create life in our bodies and even the fact that religion has made God masculine, you know, God the creator of life itself. So, oh, the feminine is the creator of life itself. The feminine births new life. We've even had our power taken away in that very simple fundamental way that God has been made a masculine essence and women aren't seen to be as powerful as God. But actually... We create life in our bodies. That shows you how powerful we are. But throughout history, centuries and centuries and centuries of history, which is trapped in our genetics, they can actually prove how we carry ancestral trauma in our genetics. Women have been suppressed for that power because people don't want us to be powerful. People haven't wanted humans to have anarchy a few powers that be said we want all the control so let's use fear and guilt and shame and suppress everyone make them feel bad and wrong for what they have disempower them make them forget that they can even do that tell them that they're dirty and they're damaged and like women menstruating you know the fact that that has can be considered dirty and sinful and like holy moly women menstruating is the source of life itself and you just think about those layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of conditioning So when we look at rats, you can put two rats into a science lab with, oh, sorry, put one rat in with two sources of water, one being plain water and one being electrified. Very quickly, the rat will recognize which water source to drink from and which to avoid. But when that rat has offspring, you put those offspring into that room on their own, they know which water to drink from. They never go near the electrified water. So that's epigenetics. The fact that we take this genetic information that's encoded in the parent and it's passed on to the child. So then you think about the ancestral damage our female lineage has gone through. You think about the cultural layers uh, that our family has experienced, the wartime trauma that our family might have experienced, the immigration trauma that many families might have experienced. Like this is actually all there in our cells. So we at this level of consciousness have the incredible privilege to heal and not everyone on the planet at this time gets this privilege, but our souls have chosen this for a reason. And I see it as our divine obligation to heal because we do have the resources and we do have the level of consciousness and the understanding, and we can change that pattern for our family. We can heal these ancestral traumas that they no longer get carried down and that young girls that are born from our bodies will not know the level of shame that we've gone through that is inherent in us and in our culture and that we can create these environments through our own empowerment and activating our own sexual energy and standing in our own power in a safe and a loving way, then we create environments for the next generation to come through who are born into that field of energy, not into one of shame and suppression. So living in Indonesia, obviously the federal government is Muslim and so there's a lot of controls around sexuality. 
And many people don't know that in Bali because it's Hindu here in Bali, but our federal government bans sex toys, bans pornography. There's, I was laughing this week because I was trying to find new G-strings, but there's a 45% import tax on lace. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I can't even get sex toys here and now I can't get my lacy undies. I'm feeling so suppressed by the government. <laughs> but you know, like what these cultures have done historically is put shame on top of it and then nobody wants to go near it because of the pain of feeling shamed. So in some ways they've been able to successfully repress it, successfully repress it. But because it is a force of nature and we're part of nature, nature's going to have its way. We actually don't get to dictate nature. That is the one force on the planet that humans have no control over. The wind is coming. The hurricane is coming. The tsunami is coming. The crack in the earth is coming. That shows us nature is more powerful than us. And we must remember that we're part of it. We're as much a part of nature as these plants that are outside my room. They're thriving and they've got life force coming out of them. And we can be that too. It's just that we forget and we adapt and we close down. Just like taking this beautiful, abundant plant here from Bali and you plant it in the UK in winter, it's going to go. And that's what's happening to you. Your genetics are designed for a very warm environment because you don't have much insulation on your body. So if we take you out of that warm, nourishing, toasty environment where you're thriving and we put you in the cold UK winter, that's going to impact how you feel, your emotions, your sexual energy, your brain power. So that's kind of what's happened to humans. We've taken ourselves out of our alignment, out of our natural state, and we're all in that state of adaption, like that tropical tree that's struggling in the UK. But you put us back into the right environment and that energy pours out of us. So this life force has its own energy. If lightning comes and strikes a tree and that branch becomes damaged, life force itself says, oh, well, that's not a, use, a good use for my energy. I'm just going to retract from that branch and I'll grow another branch over here. And the same would happen to us in a wheelchair if we got in an accident and we lost the use of our limbs, our lower legs. Very quickly, the life force would go, hmm, that's not useful. And our legs would wither to basics because the life force itself has this incredible intelligence. And so you think about life force is sexual energy. It has this incredible intelligence. So if you create the right environment, life force is withdrawing from many, many, many women across the planet. Most women across the planet. It's not okay. It's not safe. You get shamed, you get attacked. Everyone's being conditioned to be terrified of a woman in her sexual power. But if you create the right circumstances, which is clear the guilt, clear the shame, do the healing, learn the skill, create a loving environment, let your sexuality naturally burst out of you because that's what it wants to do. Nature wants to express that way. It's, it's life-altering. It is absolutely life-altering. And that potential sits inside of all of us. It's just those flowers bursting out of us without effort. Mm. And so what do you think stops most women from fulfilling their potential sexually and in their day-to-day lives? Because I guess these things are pretty linked. So yeah, yeah, what do you think what do you think is the thing that is really stopping women from tapping into that in the West, let's say? Shame, guilt, and a lack of education. Mm. So I think shame, guilt, fear, and a lack of education. So I think we all want it. When someone has that conversation, we want to lean in. We want to know the secret key, but we're we're fucking terrified of the public attack that might come, what people might think of us. Are we going to lose our relationship? What if my partner doesn't want to go on this journey? What if my partner gets offended that I want to go sleep with a woman or I want to go have a threesome and he's going to feel like he's not good enough or he's not satisfying me or it's sinful and my family have told me forever that even touching myself or pleasuring myself is sinful or I'm going to go to hell. So, you know, those layers of shame, guilt and fear are there for all of us to varying degrees. But even if you start to clear that, what next? Where do we turn? How do we start? Where do we go? How do I have those orgasms? How do I find a partner that's capable of that? Where, where would, how do I even find out what kind of orgasms my body's capable of? Like, without that education, without a guide or someone that's walked the path, where do you find the information? It's like the spiritual path as well. I really believe in a personalized approach in an individual path. It doesn't matter what anyone else has done before you. You don't have to go and follow a lineage. 
You don't have to devote yourself to one thing. It's what's right for you in this moment. And it's going to be very different for each of us. So yes, I believe in bodies of knowledge like Tantra and, you know, these structured methodologies. And at the same time, I don't. I've like some of that might work and some of it might not. And at the right time, some of it might work and some of it might not. Just like I was saying, the food on the planet, where on the planet you are, what season it is, how old you are, all of these, the intersection of all of these things makes it an extremely personalized journey. So everything I teach and everything I do is that way. So yes, I'm inviting women into one container to all awaken. And I know that every single woman's journey is going to be different. And some are going to activate in different times and some are going to activate in different ways. And some are just going to take the knowledge and run with it and they're going to be good and they're done. And others are going to need a lot of nurturing and a lot of handholding and a lot of healing. And some are going to need me to push them and some are going to need me to don't you dare push me. <laughs> and that's my job as a good teacher, like you said, about being a good leader and a good boss. It's like, how can I take the experiences that I've had, the lifetime of knowledge that I have, the incredible amount of consciousness I get access to, the incredible gift that my partner is and what he's providing for me and how can I personalize that to the woman in front of me to give her what she needs in this moment to take the next step on her path. It's very interesting. And so much information there. And I think, you know, you're someone who is giving out a lot and giving out a lot of your time and your energy and constantly working on yourself as well. So what yeah. do you do um, at this moment in time when you need to recharge and get grounded and get back to a level space? Yes, I do absolutely nothing. Sweet fuck <laughs> all. It's the sweetness of doing nothing. I love alone time. I love laying by the pool for four hours. I actually love scrolling social media. That's a message that you don't hear very often. <laughs> How much judgment and shame is there around social media usage? I freaking love scrolling. I love having nothing on my plate and I just get to check in on everyone I love and I get to watch these people that inspire me and do nothing. No one takes my energy away. So it's very, very important. I'm heavily Pisces in my astrological chart too, so I'm extremely sensitive. I can feel a lot of energy and I'm empathic and the nature of my work is constantly working with energy. So I need to move everyone out of my space. I need to check on my boundaries, make sure no one's hooked into me because people get quite addicted to my energy. They think that it's me without realizing that I'm actually reflecting something back to them. And then they, they want more and more and more. So I have to always constantly check on my boundaries healthy. Am I making sure that I'm setting up relationships in a way where people don't become dependent on me? And then I just love doing nothing. Just relax and just be. I love my meditation practice. I love music. I love essential oils, you know, like all the sensuous pleasures. I love it. And I have lots of orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> I love um I love what you said there about the scrolling thing. Um, because we're so often told oh social media is bad but you know it's like well if you edit what you look at the yes. same way you edit your life then you're just seeing the good stuff and sometimes yes. um I was speaking to someone else the other day and I was saying you know sometimes I do a check-in on myself and and if I press that search button if a load of things are coming up that's really killing my vibe I've I'm dis you know I really edit what I see and my brain likes to be going all the time and mm. it likes to have that input. So, yeah, I get my dopamine hit either from, you know, reading or from learning or from the scrolling thing more than the mm -hmm. going out boozing and partying thing and being, you know, super exactly. social all the time. And then um, it is really about just having these strong boundaries, like edit what you look at. Then if you don't like what you look exactly. at, you don't have to throw it away. You need to be more adult with how you approach this tool. Same thing with sex toys. You know, like, are you like, have you got one? And are you just using that all the time? Or are you actually developing what you're doing with your partner or like what you're doing with your own hands? Like, like exactly. have the boundaries, you know? Exactly. Uh, Nothing is bad in the universe. Nothing. It's about our intention behind it and the application and the use of it. So social media has a lot of great benefits and it is our responsibility to curate that so that we have the experience that we want. And I hit the point where I go into unhealthy territory and I feel it immediately and it feels like shit. 
So I want to use social media and be aware of myself while it's topping me up, while it's letting me check in on everyone without having to give my energy away and like get inspired and read some cool things and look at kittens and puppies. And oof, too much, Erin. Put the phone away. <laughs> get out in nature. Go and move your body. Pick up a physical book. Like when you feel it, when you feel you've hit that un unhealthy territory that's our personal responsibility it's self-loving to not hurt ourselves with social media Mm. i love what you said there your own personal responsibility and i think i think that comes into so so much of what we've been talking about personal responsibility you know it it doesn't work for everyone one different approach and so I have to ask, where do you go for your inspiration? Again, like what I was saying before, you're constantly giving out. You're this very, you have a really strong, like radiant beaming energy. So where do you go as someone who inspires people? Where do you go to get your inspiration? And you can talk about whatever you want here, podcasts, you know, books, anything. Where do you go to light a fire under your butt when it needs a fire? Oh, God. (laughs) what I call God I feel very 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 fortunate to have the connection that I have to spirit and to be able to receive so abundantly from spirit I often feel like I walk through the world and there's no teachers for me I can see through people I can see that the people that want to be a spiritual teacher and they're talking all the talk but they're not it or I can see the people that are selling themselves out to being commercial and monetizing off things that aren't really the thing. And I struggle a lot like that. I really find it hard. There's very few podcasts that I listen to. Like I, most of the world is smoke and mirrors. I, I feel sad to say that most of the teachings and stuff out there, I don't want to say that they're not beneficial. They're beneficial for sure but you reach a point where you realize that your own inner source is more powerful than anything anyone can ever teach you. I have been blessed with incredible teachers and incredible healers and incredible coaches. And the right person comes along my path at the right time always. But all of that I'd say is a result of my ability to listen. It's me sitting and connecting with God or the thing that I call God, the great intelligence that guides my life and being open and and responding to what's being asked of me. And then through that, these magical sequence of events happen and maybe one good book drops on my lap. You know, some of the great books that I've read about sexuality is Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagoski. Uh, Anything by Esther Perel. I think she's a brilliant teacher. I love David Dater's work. Mm, What else has really stood out to me? I loved Pussy by Mama Gina. I read that years ago and that was really pivotal for me at the time. So at the right time, in the right way, a singular book or a singular piece of information comes in, but I don't have a teacher. Often when I see other people teaching online, I'm like, oh, hello, sister. You know, like I feel a sisterly bond with them, not like a hierarchical bond with them of like, wow, you're the next guru in my life. But Having said that, I have had, I've been incredibly blessed to have great teachers and great mentors and great healers. And it, that personalized path really through my practice of transcendental meditation and my godparents who taught me transcendental meditation, they've been an incredible access point to high level consciousness. My partner now is a master of sexuality and not because anyone's ever taught him anything. He has not gone and studied these things. He hasn't gone and followed the protocol learnt the rules, practice A through Z, it's who he is. It is absolutely who he is and his natural love and his natural obsession for it and his fascination and his curiosity and his desire. That natural instinct in him has made him master his own sexuality and then master the ability to unlock sexuality in other women. And I feel so fucking blessed. I'm like, how did I get so fucking lucky? What the hell? Like you couldn't pay for this knowledge. You couldn't find a teacher. To, like I don't even have to learn. I just get to fucking receive. <laughs> I get to receive these teachings. I get to experience these life-changing orgasms, not because someone told me this orgasm exists, but because I'm just in that experience. And then 
last night I had one that made me so hysteric. I laughed so hysterically and I started talking gibberish. And then because I was aware that I was talking gibberish, I, could, I just was laughing more and it was just pure joy. It was almost like having laughing gas. It was just so euphoric. And I just thought it was hilarious. And the one and only time I've taken magic mushrooms, the same thing happened. And Maharishi says that laughter is the highest state. And I think that. I think when I see the perfection of the universe and the perfection of the divine and when I'm in that state of absolute oneness that I've had moments of in my entire life, I'm laughing. I'm always freaking laughing. And here we go. This I wasn't even been in the mood for sex last night. It was so funny. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a bit tired. Maybe after this I'll have a break. And then what happens? I have three absolutely life-changing types of orgasms that I've never had before ever it just and then I'm laughing at that because I'm like oh my god the irony of what our head tells us that our body is capable of or what we think our limits are and actually the body has all of this capacity so I never read about a laughing orgasm like that I've definitely (laughs) felt states of euphoria but I just got to experience it I got to receive it and now I get to teach it you know I get to awaken others to those potentials and yes share the techniques that might have got me there but it's not the technique it's just not the technique. It's not, it's like anything yoga. It's not the postures. The postures are a vehicle. The freaking yoga happens to you. Mm. It unlocks in you. And sometimes it's through the postures and sometimes it's through the breathing and sometimes it's through the medica. any of those eight limbs. All they're doing is driving us to that inner state of being. And you can sit there in silence and lead a yoga class in total and utter silence and be in the state of yoga the whole time. And someone else can be doing the fanciest poses and be so far from yoga Mm. the divine paradox i am i really resonate with with what you're saying because um i teach yoga and i teach meditation um as 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 well and i very much you know you've probably experienced this yourself most people don't come to a yoga class because they feel great and they feel like they're on top (laughs) of the world and that they're winning at life they come because they maybe they do just want to work on their body, which is fine. That's where a lot of people, that's, that was my entry point into yoga. I wanted to be able to do bendy things and look good in yoga pants. It's very different now, but that's, there's nothing wrong with that because that's exactly right. Entry point. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with having that attitude towards it the whole time. Um, but what I found really interesting was, you know, I did all this work and I, you know, practiced stuff from various lineages and I got, you know, very stuck in, okay, this is the way though. The other ways aren't the way. This one is the way. And then no, this very... one's not the way. This one, this is the way. This one, all the other ways were wrong. That was, yes. I shouldn't have been flowing like that. I should have been still. And then. Yes, but that's um, your body type as well. Your body yeah. type is driven to find that, to yeah. to understand, to excel, to get into the details, to perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what you're for. So of course your yoga was expressed exactly. like that. And then. And then I met my partner who I'm with now, most calm, most uh, uh, sensitive, smart, um, intelligent, like listens to everything I say, has a highly stressful, you know, highly responsible job doing something I would never even imagine being able to do because it is so stressful. Completely fine. The other day he just stood on his head and, and, He's the most yoga person I've ever met. Yes. Never done it a day in his life, never meditated. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to just take a little bit of a step back from this because <laughs> I completely, and I'm not saying that everything that I do is rubbish at all, but mm-hmm. everyone is so different and there are yeah. methodologies to help. And yes, you do need guides along the way. Some people do, people like me do. Um, but other people just naturally are so connected sexually too, you know, just naturally just have this connection and are a bit more plugged into something and they don't really even know why and some of us need to search more and use our brain more and but yeah it really blew me away I was like and I said this to him the other day I was like you're the most this is the wrong way to say it you're the most yoga person I've ever met (laughs) you know and it's 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 crazy and um 
but all of those all those things that Erin spoke about the the books um I'm going to pop links to those below this recording so you can have you can find the names of those books underneath here if you want to find out more I'll definitely be checking out some of those books for myself <laughs> <laughs> um and I have to ask this question really importantly where can people connect with you where is the best platform for them to find you what offerings have you got coming up over the next six months how can people plug in Great. Well, number one for me is Instagram. I love Instagram. I love it. I share a lot of stories. I share almost every day kind of what's going on. And, you know, you get a window into my life and you get to hear the breakthroughs that I'm having and laugh with me a lot because I freaking love to laugh. So Instagram, Erin Kiner. I am the only Erin Kiner in the world. So it's easy to find me. It's the same whether it's email, Erin, Erin Kiner. My website, erinkiner.com. My Facebook, Erin Kiner. My Instagram, Erin Kiner. It's just so easy to find me. So I would love, love, love you guys to come and join in the fun and the laughter. So at the moment, I'm launching a sexuality course that launches on Tuesday, the 29th of September. And that's called Worship. And that's a five-month journey to helping women activate and experience liberation. So yes, it's a sexuality course, but truly it's about freedom. It's about power. It's about potential. We're using sexuality as the vehicle, but it's so much more than that. So worship launches uh, September and then we'll do another intake again in 2021. My one-to-one -one coaching spaces are full until February, 2021. So we're going to wait list for that as well. And then towards the end of 2020, I'll be releasing a body love self love deep dive workshop as well. So that'll be another five month journey that'll be launched in the next couple of months. Lovely. And all the links for those um, I'm going to pop under this recording too. So you can connect in with Erin and uh, soak up some of the juice because there's so much of it. <laughs> there is. There's um, just abundant flows <laughs> for me. God, like how good I'm just being Erin. This is what I want for everyone. I'm not doing, I'm not trying. I'm not, like this is so joyful for me. I, I get so energized by doing this because this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. So I really want to empower everyone to feel that same level of satisfaction because when someone's living in their own personal alignment, it is the most magnetic, captivating, ah, contagious feeling. That's what people can feel, the presence of spirit being so close to the surface. And that's the capacity for all of us. And what you said before is like, I agree that some people have a more sexual component and some people have a more artistic component. Some people have a more musical and some people have a more academic. And like, again, that's a beautiful diversity of human nature. And yes, I think that some women at their sexual capacity are still not going to be me. Like I'm a force. <laughs> so thank God I've got a partner that can handle a force that wants a force because it's intimidating. And it's hard sometimes when we're almost misfits that you know there's something different about us and we've been made to feel like there's something wrong with that like we're too much of this or we're too much of that or we don't really fit in but actually that's the beauty of it is that yeah I'm different yeah I'm going to have a sexual expression that's different from others yeah I'm going to talk in a way that's different from others and that's amazing that's nothing that we should dampen ourselves for but that's what we've been doing it's like oh pull ourselves back fit ourselves into a petite little box that society has told us we should be and don't be too much of anything. But there is a wild woman inside of every single one of us. There is a force that wants to come out and express through every single one of us. And I'm just super passionate about letting everyone see who they really are. I'm not teaching anything. I'm just stripping them back of the illusion and they'll find themselves and at the core of themselves is magnificence. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Erin. I really appreciate you giving us your time and sharing your story. And um, yeah, guys, as I mentioned, all the links are below if you want to go ahead and dig a little bit deeper. So thank you so much, Erin. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And if you are watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and share and take care. And I will see you next time for more Impulse Chats. Thank you. Bye.